So can you remember um, when you really understood what Memorial Day was all about? When I was a boy, I really didn't get it. And some of that has to do with being a, a little one. You know, the, the only so much that you can really comprehend in terms of real meaning, right? And so part of that was at work, but part of it was just a simple lack of knowledge. I mean, they talked about Memorial Day at school a little bit. I, I hope they still do. But in, in my family, we didn't go to parades or events or anything like that. And so Memorial Day for me meant just another day off of school where I could go play ball and have fun and enjoy outside. It was a great day. I was not a big fan of school. If you are, praise God. So I didn't really get it. Um, fast forward a little bit. I became a young man and started a tradition that I'd still kind of um, bemoan the loss of. I, I would go with some of my friends up to a place called Ellsworth. Anybody know of it? Yeah, lots of you here living up in northern Michigan. It's over by Charlevoix. And in Ellsworth, there's a chain of lakes. And I was a bass fishing nut. And so I could go there Memorial Day weekend, opening season for bass Saturday, the Saturday Memorial Day weekend, and just fish to my heart's content. And so I started that um, tradition with some friends. And then it followed. We went there with our, our families and camped. But something happened there as well. Great fishing, but um, when the weekend would come to a close, Monday morning we'd start to pack up, but we always stayed for the Memorial Day um, parade and then the service. There was a municipal campground. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it was on a hill and overlooked the lake, and the hill was high enough where you could see into the town. Um, but then you could down, you'd see down to the lake, and there was a park down at the lake with a beach and everything, really, really nice th area. And that's where they would... Um, have their service. And so they would start in the town, and if we were up packing up and getting ready to go, and we'd hear the band start to play, that would be it. We'd stop, and we'd either sit on the side of the hill, we'd go actually go down into the park, and we'd watch the, the parade start to come out of the, the town. It would kind of like descend down a hill, curve around, and end up at the park. And I remember a lot of times, I will admit this, just joking about the parade, um, they had like the band and a bus, I think, small parade. And um, it was my introduction too as a city boy from Grand Rapids area to small towns and what, and joke about the number of people there, you know, like the whole town turned out. Well, some of you from small towns are not laughing at that. That's okay. Um, but, you know, about the, everybody turned out, you know, and there was 10 people there. But we we would watch and, and so then something happened as I watched that. I started to get it. And so as I watched um, the people gather, and I would look at their faces, and I would see the veterans, and, and I would hear the taps played on the hill echoing out over the lake, and then the three guns salute, and watch the reef. They'd place a reef in the water and it would float away and the solemnness with which they watched that reef and saluted it as well. And then hear the words of the speaker. 
I, I finally understood what Memorial Day was all about. Um, and it changed my perspective on a number of different things. And since then, I've had the privilege of speaking at a number of Memorial Day services. So it's meaningful to me, Memorial Day. But only because I really understand it, I think. Despite not having served in the military. Talked to a lot of guys and people about it who have. And today on Memorial Day weekend, it's my hope that a couple of things happen. Because we're going to look at a truth that has a parallel truth. It's about grace and salvation. And so I hope more than anything else, as we read this passage and as you, as you listen or you look at the words, that you gain a deeper appreciation for the freedom that you have in Jesus. A freedom that's real, a freedom that's deep, that's profound. That you gain a deeper appreciation for the freedom that you have through the grace of Jesus Christ, but also as a citizen of the United States of America, a citizen of heaven, citizen of our great country. And I'd like to read that truth for you now. It's Romans 5, verses 1 to 8. Open your heart to the truth God brings you this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person somebody might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of God. I want it to be written on your hearts, lived in your life. <clears throat> I feel really privileged always to share truth, but maybe especially um, truth that that's very specific to grace. And there's a reason for that. Because as you look at those words, again, whether, whether you acknowledge it or not, they, they are words about the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And you've made some big ones. And you'll have big ones yet to make. 
So, so regardless of the decisions you've made in terms of, of careers, education, where you live, where you work, nothing, nothing will hold the importance of the decision that this passage speaks about, and that is knowing Jesus Christ. Most important thing you'll, you'll ever hear about, most important decision that you'll ever make bar none. Because it deals with your life as you live it today, now, present tense, And it will deal with your life forever, future tense, eternity. Even though that's really hard for us, it's hard for me at least, to think about eternity because I'm a finite being. And I think about next week and I think about next month and I think about next year and maybe a little bit after that. But eternity is something to wrap your, it's hard to wrap your brain around. And yet that's what it's speaking of. Your life forever. I don't know how much you've thought about that. So it's pretty powerful. And to think that it's speaking of being right with God forever is really profound. It starts out right in verse 1. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, justification is just a a way of saying, and and you can look up in the dictionary, being free or absolved of any sin or penalty. Justified by faith. That's what faith does. An acceptance of Jesus Christ, believing that he was sent by God out of his great love as a gift of grace, died on the cross for you, for everyone for their sins, justified, then making you free of sin or guilt of your sins. And there it is. And then we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Think about that for a moment. That's part of what blows my mind about grace, is knowing that I have peace with God. I think about who God is, creator of the universe, Anything and everything that you'll see today or for the rest of your lives um, created, put together, given as a gift by who the creator of it all? That God. And that's the God who sent Jesus for you to die. Pretty profound, pretty amazing. And to forgive you of your sins. Do you know what it's like to be forgiven? Have you ever had that, that experience personally? Because it says here, um, um, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What's it like to be forgiven? Have you experienced it truly in your heart? Do you know what that means? If you've asked Christ in your heart, you, you have. I think about what that means person to person. I know that you all are probably way better than me, but I've messed up a few times. And when I've went and I've asked somebody forgiveness and they've given it to me, it's been amazing. See, when you know that you don't deserve it and you get it, it's pretty profound. We know that because it's really hard to forgive people. We're not so good at it. So forgiveness and grace is sweet. And when it's given, it creates and it changes relationships, does it not? And so the creator of all things 
sent Jesus as a gift of grace to forgive you and me of our sins. Every single one that we've ever committed, every single one that we will. It's amazing what they say about it, right? It's an incredible feeling. And that's why at the end of that verse, verse 2, it says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Peace with God gives us hope in the glory of God. Because if we're right with God, we know according to His Word and truth that we'll be able to stand in His presence as we live as flesh and blood. And then forever, for all of eternity. Profound. When I think about that, it it makes my heart beat. Quickens my pulse when I start to to think about it. It it is all these, these thoughts enter into my mind. It blows it up. I I think about the words of John 10, verses 27 to 30. See, and I've been asked this question too sometimes. If if so, if you you have have, um, asked Christ in your heart and you have salvation, can you lose it? Has anybody been asked that question or maybe you wondered it? I don't know. This is what I love about this this passage. Listen to this. This is Jesus speaking, John 10, 27 to 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. There it is. And they shall never perish. How? When? Never. Never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them unto me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. I I love that passage because sometimes um, people would tell us that that's true. Um, Sometimes we might believe it, especially if we've really messed up, right? I'm no longer good enough for God. I have news for you. Your goodness at one level, doesn't matter. It's grace, right? And not even you can pull yourself away from the love of God. Isn't that amazing? I often talk to people, too, with things that they've had and they can't forgive themselves over. And I, I just ask, why? God forgave you already. Let go. Grace, profound. Incredible to think about. I I hope that that sense of, of humility and gratitude over God loving you so much that He sent Jesus to die for you is just stirring a little bit in your heart as you sit and as you listen. To know that that God will never leave you or forsake you. And that it came at great cost. And comes at great cost at times for us if we're being authentic and real. Passage goes on to share truth about that. The start of verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. You rejoice in your sufferings. I, you know, um, 
I think that's something that we all could use a little work on. Um, I, I haven't ever heard anybody who, and, and I, there's probably people that exist that do, that love pain and hurt. I've never heard anybody say, man, you know, remember last year when I broke my leg? All of that hurt and pain was so good, I think I'm going to go jump off a roof. Never heard anybody say that. But I have had people who rejoiced in their suffering as a follower of Jesus. There's something about that that speaks to being. And I would submit to you if for the cause of Jesus Christ, for what that means, especially in our world today and in our country, to think about what it means to be a follower of Christ will equate to some suffering. I thought about that last week as we honored our graduates, headed off to college, and for current college students, and what it meant or would mean to be a, a follower of Jesus in those situations. And the things that if you spoke up for your faith, whether it be to friends or on campus or to a professor, whatever it might mean, about what that might bring. And some of the, the backlash, um, some of the things that would happen. I think about it in workplaces today. And threats, real threats that comes simply because you're going to stand up and be bold and courageous and speak truth. Suffering comes from that as a follower of Christ. And the blessing in that is to know at one level that you've gotten Satan's attention. You know, granted, when... I'm serving God and things are great and going well. And I always have in the back of my mind, look out, something's going to happen. And there's a reason for that. It's because whenever I'm doing what I should be doing as a follower of Jesus, I've gotten Satan's attention. And so he wants to destroy, wreak havoc, tear it all apart, mess it up. And so I know at some point in time, something's going to happen. But I also know that if I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, it'll be better than okay. And you see that passage? We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and then those words, perseverance, character, character, hope. And that's real life, that's truth. That's a formula that, that works in secular ways, but most certainly in spiritual ways. Have you lived out that formula? Sufferings and then perseverance? And I submit to you that the only way that that formula really works is if indeed you're fixing your eyes on the author of your faith, on the giver of grace, Jesus Christ. I know that sometimes people have asked me about leadership style, and I said it's only, there's only one way. You lead by following. 
And, and I, I believe me, all through the last year, with all of the stuff that we had to navigate, it's just one of the ways it demonstrates that's the only way you should be walking and, and, and leading anything, whatever, by following Jesus Christ. Suffering's problem, yes, but perseverance, when you stick with it, grit, resolve, we know those words. And I, and I want you to think about a time when you've done that, hopefully spiritually, but then it could happen and be true in, in a secular sense too. When you've kept your eyes fixed on that light at the end of the tunnel, his name is Jesus, but, and you've, you've stood fast and you've been steadfast, and you've kept walking sometimes as hard as it can be to pick up your feet and move. And you've kept your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. You've persevered, weathered the storm, whatever words you want to say to it. And then in the midst of that, and as you're going through it, and certainly at the end you can look back and you can see what does is, what is perseverance produce? Character. How you've grown, the things that you've learned the ways that you've been stretched. What you found out about yourself and what you found out about other people in the midst of that battle and that walk. You know, the reality is when things are really good, we don't learn a whole lot about ourselves. If you can go back and look to a foundational moment, something that transformed and changed you, it probably is associated with some type of of suffering or problem or circumstance or challenge, whatever it might be. And how you responded to that and how you worked your way through it revealed a little bit about who it is that you are as a person and who it is that you can be. So it is in Jesus Christ being able to identify more and more. So so character, personhood. Did I deal with that with integrity? Was I honest? Was I bold or courageous or did I cower in fear, capitulate? There's a lot of things that come out through adversity. Perseverance, character, and then hope. And when you stay the course... And when you persevere and you start to learn and grow, that produces hope, right? Because you realize, and I would submit at a higher level, it's not about you having it. It's about that God's got it. And you can see that His promises are true and real and that He's not going to give up on you. He's going to help you. He's going to equip you. As hard as it can be, and there's some things that we deal with in life that are really, really hard. That's not to minimize that. But as you go through that, then you have that hope that just emerges. That hope that you have in God that you wondered about. Is it real? Is it true? And as you cling tightly to Him and you realize that it is, and you start coming out on the other side, I hope that we're there with this pandemic. Boy, do I hope. I pray that every single day, multiple times a day. And and I dare say it, it won't be because of a vaccine. It'll be because of the goodness and the grace of God. He gives that to help. I I don't want to discount medical technology. But the hope that we can have in the great Lord our God.
because of his presence within us. And it won't disappoint. You see that verse 5? And hope does not disappoint. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The presence of God within. It's a difference maker as we live from day to day and it will be for all of eternity. Carries us through suffering. Gives us that grit and resolve spiritually. Changes us, transforms us and gives us hope. Hope as we experience His presence, the blessings and the promises fulfilled. He is our hope. I don't know what everybody here is placing their hope in. But it would be incredible to know that indeed it's the great Lord our God in the grace of Jesus. Maybe that's something that you've wondered about. Maybe you've chosen to put your hope in something else. Like the government or the military or a job or even a person. All gifts from God and as good as they are, they fail. God promises to never leave or forsake. <clears throat> to be with us always. What an incredible promise. And I've seen that happen time and time again in people's lives. That's one of the things that um, I really didn't comprehend about being a pastor guy either is all of the hard things that I would see and be invited into. But I've seen people do incredible things in the midst of terrible situations. And the hope of Jesus Christ carry the day time and time again. And it just brings me to my knees in praise because of God's goodness and His presence and the difference that it makes. And again, it's not because um, we're such great people. And I know that all of you are wonderful and amazing. That wasn't meant to be a denigrating statement to you. But I read these words and it's what makes me praise God all the more. You see, verse 6, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And you do know when he says, died for the ungodly, he's speaking of who it is that he died for. We were still powerless, we, the ungodly. See, before you did anything worth grace, if that could be true, Jesus already died for you. And I love having that conversation with people who bought into what I call Satan's greatest deception. Who believe that they're good enough. I always wonder what that means. 
I think that as people, we, we have a way of justifying not only our behavior, but our goodness in terms of salific ways too. Is it good enough because you went to church once in your life? Is it good enough because you go every Sunday? Is it good enough that you help somebody um, change their tire? Is it, what, what does that mean? Praise God for grace. I don't have to be good enough. I don't have to wonder if I'm in or out. Because I have the hope of Christ in my heart. Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need grace. And the scriptures are really clear about salvation and what it means to to be able to enter into the presence of God someday. It'll have nothing to do with our goodness. It'll have everything to do with grace. I think of the words of Galatians 2.21.2 that says, I do not set aside the grace of God. Because if righteousness could be attained, that means being right with God having been justified, if righteousness could be obtained through the law, then these words, Christ died for nothing. If you can be good enough, Christ was sent for nothing, zero. I assure you, he did not die for nothing. He died for you. And you are way more than nothing. I don't know if you're listening online or sitting here and haven't made a decision for Christ, but you'll never know the great worth that you have to God. And I hope just hearing the words makes you think and makes you wonder about that. About the great worth that you have for Him. And just think about that for a few minutes. Why is it, why is it that God would sent Jesus to die for me. Why? I mean, I wonder about that a lot myself. For God so loved you. That's why. Pretty simple. And pretty profound. I hope all of that um, causes you to think these words, this truth, it's so powerful. And, and helps us all gain a, a deeper appreciation for grace, for the gift of Jesus. And for what that means. I mean, again, I don't think we can really fully comprehend the, the one that, that when I hear the song, I can only imagine, do any of you know of it? It's only the number one best-selling Christian music song of all time. If you haven't, you've got to turn on Christian radio. I can only imagine. I think that captures the spirit of how amazing it is. What it will mean to stand in the presence of God. How we'll respond. How we'll act. Because we've been set free. From our sin, and so we can stand in the presence of God. We can be in His presence. 
forever and ever and ever. And it'll be a beautiful thing, just as it is now. But blown up and magnified in ways we can't understand and comprehend right now. And so, being grateful for the freedom that you have as a citizen of heaven. And as a parallel, as a parallel, although it, it, it isn't one and the same, but a parallel to what it means to live in the United States of America and to have the freedoms that you enjoy right now, especially in this context, to be able to worship God I have to understand, um, I, I mean, I, I have to admit, I, I don't understand this current fascination with socialism. I'm just being honest. I looked at some interviews that um, people did with people who had those signs and were walking around and promoting socialism and how they want that to be a part of our country. And the interviews ask the people a simple question. Have you ever talked to somebody who's lived in a socially uh, socialist country or in a communistic country? And to a T, they all said no. And the response is, well, you ought to. <laughs> I, I've talked to people who've lived in communist countries and under socialism. Interestingly and amazingly, not one of them would say, I hope that's what the United States brings. Because they understood freedom. Because they hadn't had it before. And they cherished and loved the fact that they could work wherever they wanted to. They could earn whatever they wanted to. They could set career goals and plans educationally. They could live where they wanted to, and they could worship where they wanted to. All things that they didn't experience where they lived prior. So they knew what it was like to not have freedom, and they knew what it was like to have freedom. As much as things are at odds in the division that we have right now, the United States of America is still an incredible place to live, and we experience incredible freedoms. But it came just as our salvation did at great cost. I don't have anybody who likes war. And I get that. War is ugly. And it's horrific. And you could argue with a great deal of um, certitude that some of the wars that our country has fought have been misguided and for immoral and wrong reasons. I would agree with you on that. Of course, my opinion doesn't really matter that much. But there is one thing that I, I don't understand, and that is how, um, when we get to Memorial Day, 
There, there are protests against it. against men and women who fought and died on the battlefield. We can all have our opinions about war, but I would challenge us all to look into the eyes of um, even a veteran and tell them um, that we don't like what Memorial Day stands for. I remember as a young pastor... We had a Memorial Day service. And I asked the veterans to stand up and I acknowledged them. Then after that service, they like formed a line to come and speak to me. And they said, Pastor, we really appreciate you doing that. But that's not what this day is about. There's a day for that. It's called Veterans Day. Today is Memorial Day. It's for those that aren't standing here, that didn't make it. I had a couple of conversations with some of them later. I've never forgotten that, by the way, obviously. When I had conversations with those veterans, they talked about how horrific war was too, and they gave their opinions on war. Not all that great. But they never had anything bad to say about the people that they fought with. And they spoke with pride about being able to return to this country, the United States of America, and know that somehow, some way, they played a role in preserving the freedoms that we all enjoy. There was personal pride in that, that they served their country. They risked their lives for the things that we take for granted every single day. And then they spoke with great sorrow. And it's hard sometimes to even get a vendor to speak about this. But while watching somebody take a bullet right next to them and bleed out or get blown to pieces, friends, buddies, so it really hurts them when they see people who really struggle with what Memorial Day really means and don't give respect and honor to those that died on the battlefield and for their bravery and for their valor. Freedom cost. It cost as a citizen of the United States of America and it cost as a citizen of heaven. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, may the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God in giving you the freedoms that you enjoy as both stir your hearts and ignite in you a different understanding and perspective of your salvation and the freedom that you enjoy today as we continue through Memorial Day weekend. Might tomorrow not just be another part of a long weekend or a day off, but a day to pause and give thought for the tremendous freedoms that we all enjoy at great cost. Yeah. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father,
your goodness is overwhelming. Lord, we, we give you praise and we give you thanks. It's just by sheer grace that we're sitting here today. We could have been born in any country, to any parents, anywhere. But Lord, you gave us the privilege of being born here in the United States of America and the things that we've been able to enjoy as imperfect as it is. And Lord, more so, you gave us the privilege of being born um, and hearing the grace that you brought in Jesus Christ. And the privilege of having our hearts opened up to it, I hope and trust, or at least hearing it, to wonder and ponder what it might mean to be set free forever. Lord, I hope to enjoy that, to know that, and to respond with never-ending praise and joy because of your goodness and grace. You are a wonderful God. Your grace is amazing, and we praise your name this morning. Help us, O Lord, to live with that hope, vibrant, bright, burning deep within us, and the thanks and the gratitude that we have for freedom. Freedom in Christ and freedom as citizens of this country. In your name we pray it. Amen.